notes of Giuseppe Verdi mean it's time for another edition of Serie A sit down world football index's podcast of Calcio told like it is and always at the highest level uh, Frank Crivello here glad you have clicked on and gotten stuck in with us uh, joining me as always Richard Carmen my co-host ciao Richard ciao Frank I am back from the Smoky Mountains back from the uh, internet abyss <laughs> how are you I didn't ask you that I don't know where I, you know what you what do you, do you think I spent my holidays wondering I wonder what Richard's doing <laughs> up all night is that what you, you should have you should have so full you know you're so full of yourself after ever since that Milan Weekly pod where you called him the mo- you call yourself the most <laughs> handsome guy in the history of podcasts <laughs> you just want to show off where you are so no I'm happy for you the Smoky Mountains is really nice. down there in Tennessee right yes sir okay very very nice very nice uh, life slows down there and the, and the people are as, are friendly as I'll get out so. Um. Uh, so, did, did you enjoy your time down there? Now that was it with family, or you just, yep, was, with family. family. It was family, and uh, yeah, I did enjoy my time there. It was a uh, nice to get away from everything and just uh, relax. Uh, yeah. So, how was your uh, your time off? Um, it's it's been pretty good. You know, uh, we all we were all off uh, from from work and the everyday craziness of life. Uh, we uh, uh, we spent uh, Christmas with uh, family, um, and then. Uh, uh, Santa was uh, pretty generous to the kids, um, although got uh, our kids an FAO Schwartz train set, a 30-piece train set that when I took it out, um, only had 27 pieces, some tracks were missing, <laughs> and the uh, train had parts that were broken to the point where you couldn't connect uh, the train cars together. So Lovely. Um, I think there was a, a – must have been, the elves must have been drunk when they made that one for my kids. Uh, that's that, the only thing that, that eggnog, I, I tell you, Frank, it's uh, it's some strong stuff. Yeah, when they spike it, you just you get the right amount of stuff in there, and uh, you know, and that'll do it to you. So, you know, other than that, uh, relatively good. Took the kids to a children's museum on one day, just trying to find things each day to, you know, give them something to do. Took them bowling another day, you know, and uh, uh, we have an indoor trampoline park, uh, you know, here in the Milwaukee area that I took the kids to and let them let them jump around a little bit and, 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 and wear them out so that daddy can, daddy could watch uh, Milan in the afternoon uh, without being interrupted, hoping that they were going to rest. So, um, <laughs> watching Milan play ball. Very so, good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, so we've got, uh, this is our mid season uh, podcast, our, our, our end to 2018, get ready for 2019. So, you know, we're going to do a little bit of everything here on this podcast. We're not going to recap games. This is going to be a general discussion of some different topics. Uh, we have a couple of top fives for you. Um, rather than uh, trying to recap, since we last left you, three match days have taken place. So rather than trying to recap 30 games, um, Richard and I are each going to give you what our top five takeaways um, from the, uh, the round of matches that took place. Uh, you know, since we uh, last spoke to you, uh, we will also have our top five uh, moments for Italian football in all of 2018. Uh, you know, so uh, we're interested to hear what everybody else's opinions are going to be of what we have to say about it. We'd love to hear what your top five moments were. Um, so very, uh, very curious to see what everybody has to say there. We will have our midseason Squadra Finora. Uh, in the past, we have done that quarterly. We're just doing midseason and end of the season now. Uh, breaks things up a little bit, 
you know, and gives us a chance. Some surprises in that team. Uh, and certainly we'll uh, have some honorable mention and give some explanation for how we arrived at that. We will have our crap on a cracker 11, including a couple of players that, when they're on form, have no business being in this team. So uh, do look forward to that. We'll have our manager of the half season, player of the half season, and uh, offer you three bold predictions for 2019. So, uh, Richard, we're, we're, we're pretty packed. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's certainly a jam-packed uh, episode, but uh, it'll be a fun one for sure. It'll be different from the norm. Interesting to hear what, the, uh, what your takes are going to be on some of this stuff. So let's begin with the top five takes from uh, match weeks 17 through 19. And Richard, I am going to have you start with number five. All right, number five for me is Milan are in declining form despite their win against Spal yesterday. Okay, okay, yeah, and I mean, disappointing loss uh, at home to Fiorentina, draw uh, at Frosinone, yeah. uh, put it together to beat Spal two one after falling behind a goal to nil, which could suggest to you that there is some life. Gonzalo Higuain, in particular, getting a much needed goal there, uh, so. Uh, you know, definitely feel that. But, you know, d- despite the decline, Richard, they're in fifth and they're a point out of fourth. I mean, yeah. they're right. They're right in there. I mean, this is what uh, this is what you get with Milan fans. This is what you get with uh, with Milanista. You can be in fifth and be on 31 points and you can call it a crisis and <laughs> crazy because a year ago at this point, what was Milan? 11? You know, yeah, something like that. So, you know, so certainly the team. Yeah, it, the, the team has made some trajectory, but definitely with what's demanded of them and what's expected of them and with the quality that they have at their disposal, uh, I, I can agree here with a little bit of decline. Do you think injuries, you know, just finally took its toll, players playing too many minutes, too many games, um, and that just was part of it? I mean, if you look at the, the whole season, I would say, yeah, but th- this recent decline, I think it's... I think it's more than that because they've had enough time with all these injuries to get acclimated to it. I mean, as best you can, obviously. But, you know, Zapata and, and Abate back there in, in, in defense, that's going to be, only be good for so long. And it started to show true colors. And so I think it's just more of the lack of depth is starting to show. And I guess you guess can contribute that to the injuries. But, yeah, it's uh, I don't know. It's more of a mental mental thing with me, it seems like, more than anything else. Yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, it's 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 the mentality, and you're worrying about Milan maybe falling into that Lazio, Roma, Inter that the talent is there, the mentality is not, and they're just kind of, you know, lumped into that discussion. Um, you know, we'll we'll see how they do. You know, they're going to obviously have the Supercopa against Juventus here in a couple of weeks, um, but uh, you know, so they have a little bit less of a rest than everybody else, but still a much-needed rest at that. I think they'll take anything they can get at this point. Um, so, But nonetheless, Milan will, you know, they'll have the Supercopa, Supercopa with Juventus and then back in action uh, the following week where they will play uh, at Genoa. So, um, so yeah, we'll see what happens. Milan, there's a little bit of a decline. Uh, if there's any, any team that the break's coming at the right time, it's definitely them. Uh, my number five. Uh, is how the Capocan and Yeti race is taking shape and uh, what has happened after uh, the run of games here in the last, uh, uh, you know, in the last three match weeks. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo has 
finally uh, claimed his place at the top of the Capocannonieri chart on 14 goals, yep. uh, maybe on pace for what we've expected of him, a little bit shy of uh, where we thought he would be. Some of that is maybe getting acclimated to Serie A. Christoph Piontek still hanging in there on 13 goals. Old man Quagliarella on 12. Yeah, wow. Um, still hanging in there and still scoring goals to help keep Sampdoria uh, charging for a uh, European place. Um, Arkadiusz Milik, uh, Ciro Immobile, and Duvan Zapata, who I'll talk about later, all checking in at 10 goals. And um, Nice. So, uh, you know, the top eight goal scorers are separated by five goals. And you look at Icardi for Inter and Francesco Caputo of Empoli, each on nine. You got Big Game Mo there on eight. So the names, the, the brand names are stepping up and they're scoring goals. And it's just going to set up for a very interesting race in the second half of the season. Uh, do you think that this is a spot where Cristiano Ronaldo, okay, he's played half a season in Serie A, his feet are wet. He just runs away with this, or do you see a couple of guys that I mentioned maybe making a run as well? To be honest, I think Ronaldo is going to run, run away with it now. He's not going to give up the the, the, the throne, if you will. Uh, but I think some guys are going to be able to keep up. I mean, I'm really curious to see if Qualiarella can keep this pace up for the entire season. Piantic, I think, will stay in the mix. Uh, he's he's a proven goal scorer in the past, not in Serie A, but uh, he has a pedigree to score, and so I think he'll be able to somewhat keep pace as long as Genoa uh, with um, with their new manager can can continue to do good things there, uh, but they look for Icardi and um, Milik is, is a great surprise. But you know Mertens and some of these other guys um, to start you know keeping up with with Ronaldo for the most part. But I think it's Ronaldo's going to have and end up having a big lead at the end of this when all said and done. Okay, I'll uh, I'll give you my number four and then I'll go to your number four and that's VAR the use and the misuse. Mm-hmm. of, of yeah. VAR, and boy, there have been some very controversial moments here over the three match weeks. Uh, uh, the penalty that was given to Ronaldo, a, a lot of it surrounding the uh, Juventus-Sampdoria game, uh, but Richard, wow, we had a handful of incidents over the case of three match weeks where um, you know VAR was was really major head-scratch. It was a season's worth of problems in three days or three match days. It was um, very perplexing. Some of the decisions, uh, yeah, that Juve Sampdoria game was was the the pinnacle of all that. But yeah, it, it throughout the whole three, the whole all the, all the league games, it was just head scratching. Some of the calls were made or, or not called or not gone to VAR, and so you're like, what is going on? Why did they go there? Why did they go there? It was uh, perplexing, absolutely. Yeah, so so that is my number four. The controversy with VAR it is uh, it, it continues to uh, show itself, um, and uh, you know so that's where I'm going to put number four. I did have the Inzaghi derby in at number four. That's a late scratch, uh, honorable mention uh, for that. Uh, Simone beat uh, his brother Pipo. Pipo is the older one, right? Correct, I believe so. Yes, yes. Yeah, so little brother got one on big brother. Uh, you know, in that one, but that's the honorable mention. But uh, I decided to scratch that and just talk VAR at number four. What's your number four? Number four, um, since we are talking about Inzaghi, Lazio, they're actually in the ascendancy all of a sudden. Um, and there's also been a Sergei Milinkovic Savic sighting. So uh, Lazio, team we've been we've been harping on all season long, been doing bad things. They've somewhat turned it around the last three match days and uh, they jumped back into fourth place. So good for them. It's uh, good, two good wins and a draw. Uh, it's, it's what you want to see coming into the break, and hopefully they can feed off of that and continue in that form going to the second half. For sure. Um, this is one of these teams that they're, they've they been so shaky and so wildly inconsistent 
And a lot of this is because you expect so much more from guys like Sergei Milinkovic-Savic. And I think Luis Alberto has been a disappointment so far this season as well. Yeah, yeah. They've had some changes at defender. Francesco Acerbi steps in for Stefan de Vry, um, or de Vry, whatever, however you want to pronounce it. Um, you know, they're trying to they're trying to force a partnership of some sort between Joaquin Correa and Chiro Immobile. Uh, so there's a lot of different things that Simone Inzaghi and Lazio are doing. Um, you know that this year that, um, you know, that they didn't have at their disposal last year. And uh, lo and behold, they're still in fourth and they're on 32 points. And if you can start getting some form out of these guys like Sergey, like Luis Alberto, they could be, they, they have the potential to not only be fourth, but be fourth to stay. Yeah, yeah. The, we saw how good this team was able to be last year. For the most part of the season, they were they were in the mix, you know, for the Scudetto race, or at least for you know, second and third, but... Uh, before they eventually slipped out of it, they have that kind of talent to be in that in that in that mix. It's just about being consistent. That's been their biggest downfall for X amount of years now, especially this season. If Sergei Milinkovic can finally step up, him and Luis Alberto, if Correa and Immobile can get that that partnership that that Inzaghi is hoping for, they could be uh, a team that's going to be locked in the Champions League spot. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. Uh, go ahead and give us your number three. My number three uh, is Sampdoria are playing much better as of late. If it wasn't for being juve against Juve, they could have pulled off an upset against the champs. They were juve no doubt about it. Yeah, but they uh, got two other wins in, in, in the other two days, so they're playing much better at home and away. So you know, hopefully they can build on, this kind of, on these kind of performances and, and take positives from that Juventus matchup if they can. <laughs> It's wildly aggravating that Lega Serie A, it almost looks like they're deliberately going out of their way to make sure that these guys get an undefeated season, you know, to kind of, hey, over here, look at me kind of thing. And it's, 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 it's really pathetic uh, when, you, uh, when you see it unfolding right now. Um, <clears throat> we thought there were some things that happened earlier in 2018, uh, some of the controversy in their games against Cagliari, uh, against Kievo with Cacciatore getting that red card. Um, we thought some of that was kind of sketchy. This is, <laughs> this is kind of... This is kind of on par with what we were seeing earlier the in the year. The worst part was that Ricardo Sapanara play where he they said he was offside, and you see the referee looking at the monitor and like, no, 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 let's move on from that. I don't want to see the the play where the the, the Juve defender touched it. You know, that's where it should be nullifying the, the offsides. But yeah, that's yeah. that. You know, that's what it is. Whatever. Yep. Yep. It's mildly aggravating. And let me tell you something, Lega City on referees. This Juventus team is good enough. They don't need your help. Okay. And if they lose a game, let them lose a game properly. Um, did you see my little retweet of what Allegri said about, you know, saluting the end of the year? <laughs> yeah. Like, make sure you thank and salute VAR, too, while you're at it. So, bailing your ass out of a bunch of things. So, and I know that uh, the human team, you're going to come calling for me on this one. But I, you know, got to speak the truth on that. Uh, my number three is that, okay, we can talk top six. And we always talk top six. The two uh, Milan teams, the two Roman teams, Juventus and Napoli. But I think this is now... Top 10, uh, Sampdoria, Atalanta, Torino, and Fiorentina all really making their presence felt in this league with their performances. And Richard talked a lot here about Sampdoria. Atalanta are just absolutely battering everything in their path. They got a well-earned 2-2 draw against Juventus. Um, they, want, they, they put up a half a dozen on Sassuolo at the Mapei. Um, and then, uh, you know, with that three-pronged attack of Papu Gomez, Josef Ilicic, and Duvan Zapata coming alive uh, all of a sudden. Um, you know, you've got Torino who are finding, and oh, there's Andrea Bellotti scoring goals suddenly. Torino's back into this thing. Uh, that's really all that's missing. When you take a look at 
some of the players, Iago Falke doing the playmaking, Di Silvestri, Vaselli, uh, Ola, Ola Aina, who's a uh, Chelsea loanee who they're trying to make permanent at Torino, uh, has been a nice influence there for the Granata. Uh, Torino certainly showing some form. And Fiorentina, what a goal by Chiesa against Milan. We can be as angry as we want about a Milan performance, but on the other end, all you can do is stand up and applaud Chiesa's finish. Absolutely. Um, you know, against the Rossoneri. Uh, Fiorentina coming into it and getting some getting some valuable points and uh, and uh, working working really well and all having something to say. Uh, fourth through tenth is six points apart, Richard. Yeah, it's crazy. And if you really wanted to stretch it out even more, seventh through twelfth is five points. I mean, it's such so tight at the top. That's what you love to see is parity other than you know, Juventus, obviously. But uh, it's great to see all these teams so tight and anything. I mean. You get two or three week form where you're you're hot and, and, a, and your opponents are not. The table could switch just like that. It's it's great to see. Yeah, for sure. Uh, which kind of segues into my number two, Richard, and it is Duvan Zapata. Uh, this guy over the course of these last three match days for Atalanta, absolute beast. Uh, I believe he did he brace against Sassuolo. I know he braced against Juve. Um, and Atalanta were beaten by by Genoa, but he scores against Lazio prior to uh, uh, prior to the festive period. Uh, he scored a penalty against Genoa. He's all of a sudden just he can't stop scoring, and he is vaulting up the chart. This is one guy that you know because of the quality that is around him and the service that he gets. He, you know, we talk about Papu Gomez, we talk about Josep Ilicic. Robin Gosens is having himself a really nice season on that left-handed side. Very um, underrated, very underrated. And a very underrated player for sure. Uh, Duban Zapata has service all over the place, and uh, if there's somebody that does make a run at Ronaldo, it can be the Colombian. Yeah, I mean, really, you got Papu Gomez and Ilicic provide, you know, playing provider and with the other guys on the team. Uh, look out, because he, he's got that touch now for the goal, and that's what we've been waiting to see for such a long time now. Uh, yeah, he is certainly one who has the... Uh, the teammates around him that can help him keep up with Ronaldo. Yes, for sure, for sure. So give us your number two. Well, since we're talking about Atalanta, let's stay there. Uh, despite their blip against Genoa, Atalanta are playing fantastic football at the moment. Ever since Gasparini has put you know Ilicic and, and Papo Gomez together, they've been scoring goals, lights out. Ilicic has two hat-tricks um, in a matter of you know weeks. So it's it's been outstanding, and I wouldn't want to play Atalanta at the moment. Oh, they are absolutely dealing right now. They're scoring goals like crazy. Um, they're when and 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 that's how it looks when you when you play those three up front. We were clamoring for it at the beginning of the season. Gasparini was putzing around with it a little bit too much, where it was you're either getting Gomez or Ilicic, not both. Right. For some reason, Barrow was the apple of Gasparini's eye over Zapata. They were like, "What are you doing? Get this guy in here!" So now he's finally come to his senses and he's put it all together. And this is a force. They almost uh, beat Juve too, so should have beaten Juve in all honesty, but uh, <clears throat> but but have put together a nice run of results late, here lately and are a big time threat uh, for a top four finish. Uh, so they're just as legit as everybody that's sitting there in the top ten uh, at this point. All right, let's go with your number one take from the last three match days. Never thought I would say this this year, but Kievo has found a pulse all of a sudden, and they've come to life. They had a nice draw against Inter, and then they finally got their win against Frosinone. Um, they're coming around uh, at just the right time. They're look, look out now. They're two points out of uh, 
been out of that last spot. You know, they're catching up to Frozenone, catching up to Empoli and, and Bologna. So maybe they're going to get out of this. Who knows? It's too early to tell yet, but they're they're no, they're going in the right form right now. You're reaching. <laughs> <laughs> I know they're your it's, closet it's crush. Season. It's the holiday season. I know they're your closet crush, but you are reaching. It's still a long, long way to go for them. There's so much that they have to do. The, the But what they've got going for them is that the pieces are decent enough. So, you know, on that on that vein, why not? But, you know, we all want to see them go down. We're all mad at them for whatever reason. Uh, but uh, um, we're, uh, you know, we, we, they've got our attention now because they're starting to string some things together. They're finding ways to get draw. They drew, they drew Inter. So <clears throat> that's definitely uh, an important result uh, for them. Uh, you know, and then anytime they get into six pointers, they've got to take those, they've got to take those wins. Uh, and then they're going to start to give themselves a chance. So, uh, yeah, I'm very intrigued by how they performed. I'm looking forward to um, uh, what uh, what they do here going forward. But I think it's going to be I think it's going to be very very hard. So, um, my number one, unfortunately. Um, and I wish I could say it's just limited to what happened at the San Siro on December 26th, but unfortunately it's a microcosm of an awful problem in Italy, and that's racism. Um, absolute, uh, just inexplicable uh, what went down at the San Siro on Boxing Day between Inter and Napoli, and I don't even know if um, they celebrate Boxing Day in Italy or not, but... Let's just set the scene. Okay, first of all, uh, we have <clears throat> we have the racist chance against Koulibaly during the yeah, game. Despicable. Okay, absolutely despicable. On three occasions, the San Siro announcer asked them to uh, to stop. They kept going. Um, the reaction from all of this. And Koulibaly gets the red card. <clears throat> You know, I don't know if he knew what he was doing at that point when he got the yellow and just wanted to applaud at the referee and say, look, I want to get the fuck out of here. Um, there's this is, you know, there's more important things than playing a football match like this under these conditions. And in which he did. If he did, I applaud him for that. That takes courage to do. But um, I am so disappointed uh, with Syria. I'm so disappointed with Italy. I'm so disappointed with Lea Calcio. I'm so disappointed with the Prime Minister of Italy with his reaction. Oh my goodness! Uh, to what he said, it was one of the most ignorant things I've ever heard in my entire life. Um, it was heartbreaking to think that you know I you know my bloodlines go back to that country, and I'm embarrassed for him. I'm embarrassed for the for the country's people that that's the leader of that country. So um, because it's just it's despicable. Carlo Ancelotti said after the game, he said, "You know what? The next time this happens, we're walking off the pitch, and if we forfeit, we forfeit." Yep. And good for good for him for saying that, and good for him for getting behind his guy. Okay. Absolutely. And if Legacy I had any common sense, this is the one time you rescind a red card and give him a yellow and let him be eligible for the next match. Okay. Uh, you know, because I read the blurbs about that. That you know the red card's going to stand, and he's still suspended. Inter have to play two home matches behind closed doors, and the ultras are out for three games. Whoa. Yeah. You show you showed them, didn't you, Serie A? Great job. Way to stick it to him. All right. And we had, after we talked about the, you know, when we did the podcast uh, deal, you know, in reaction to the domestic abuse, we had a listener say, hey, you know, would be nice if would be nice if Serie A tackled racism. Unfortunately, they're not tackling racism. They just keep going in reverse, Richard. 
Yeah, it's it's pathetic to see, really. And and people want to put the blame on Inter, and you shouldn't really because it's every team has this problem. I guarantee mm-hmm. every team has this problem. You hear the stories all the time. Kate Ball is getting yelled at uh, in games. Mario Mario Balotelli used to get yelled at uh, when he was playing games. So it's all throughout the freaking country in the league. And you know when you had the prime minister saying what he said, and and Legacy are not doing anything about it. The referee not doing anything about it. It's sad. They need to they need to change that and uh, they need to do it quick because it's it's pathetic and everyone's watching you know even more so they're already looking at the league as it was and now you know with this they want to see how you know, Serie A is going to react to this and so far they've done poorly so no absolutely and 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 for those of you the prime minister is Matteo Salvini he said not he said Bonucci got booed by AC Milan fans is that racism come on come on. That's how you're going to respond to that. You're as bad as the you're as bad as, and you probably came from Juventus's PR department. Okay, um, it's it's just uh, it, it's just pathetic. It's pathetic that we're two days away from 2019, and these conversations still have to be had. I'm still reminded of when Milan were playing a friendly, a friendly Richard against a a, a team of part timers, you know, in their stadium, and they're putting racist chants at Kevin Prince Boateng. And he yeah. punched the ball into the crowd and said, I'm out of here. Yeah, and they not walked off the pitch. Not playing in this shit. And the team followed and said, yeah, we're not playing either. So, you know, it's it's got to stop. There's got to be a way to stop it. There's got to be a better way to govern it. There's got to be harsher penalties. Um, because, you know, this is beyond this is beyond sticks and stones and words never hurting you. This is about... This is about having respect for the players on the pitch. This is about the players being able to perform in what should be a safe working environment where they shouldn't have to be subjected to abuse, whether it's physical, whether it's verbal, whether it's emotional, etc. Okay. So for, um, so for this to still be happening when it's almost 2019 makes me sick. It's, it's, it's disgusting really. And yeah, this happens in other leagues, but I'm not, we're not talking about the leagues. We're talking about what happened this past, uh, past three match, match days, whatever. So it's specific that match against Napoli. So, uh, it's it's disgusting, and they need to find a way to correct it immediately. If they have any kind of um, honor in their PR system with Legacy, they need to figure out a way quickly to get this taken care of because this is um, this is disgusting, despicable. I, I don't know what more else to say. It's uh, I'm just sickened by this. Yeah, I'm trying to find. Okay, um, I want to read Nima Tavali's thread uh, from Twitter because um, because this just this just hammered it home. Uh, all right, so I'm going to read this on Twitter. And Nima, at Nima Tav, R-O-O-D, Nima, I'm stealing this from you. I'm, I'm, I'm citing you, but I am stealing this from you uh, because uh, I want to share this with our audience in case they – okay, Koulibaly suspended for two matches for mocking the referee, shocking but – not shocking but expected. However, when compared with the Corva Nord, who are given a three-match ban and all interfans a two-match ban, it is utterly pathetic and sends the wrong message that racist abusers are as bad as their victim. If the Juventus CR7 statement was tone deaf, this is deaf, dumb, and blind. The optics of this is awful for Italy. We went from maybe suspending the league to closing Curva Nord until March and ban Inter from all away matches for the rest of the season to two matches, no crowd, one more, with, one more without Curva. All in less than six hours. And as they also announced Koulibaly's suspension, unbelievably, for a lack of a better word, idiotic. It's not even a slap on the wrist. It's a kiss on the forehead. This is what happens when you continue to appoint the same people only to different roles. Within the same organization, nothing changes. The illusion of justice is made to appease the anger out there, and they save face internationally. 
Now just watch how when racist chants occur in other stadiums after the January break, how scarce the coverage in Italian mainstream media will be. Not to mention tiny little fines, if anything, to not draw attention to the problem. Just like when Kate DeBalte was abused against Roma, hush, hush, sweep the turds under the rug and spray perfume, as my friend at Santici Fulvio so eloquently says. Is anyone still wondering as to why these things happen over and over and over again in Italy? One year ago, Italy failed to qualify for the World Cup. When Italian football as a whole was at their ground zero, one, later, one year later on, and the national team is looking promising, but Il Calcio is still at rock bottom. Only a handful of clubs own their own new modern stadiums. The rest play in post-Soviet atrocities that are impossible to help clubs increase revenue. There's a new racist scandal on the terraces almost every week, and yesterday one person died in clashes between fans. That We, don't, we, we didn't even get to that, Richard. An yeah. fan got killed. Yep. It was largely because it was inter-fan violence against, was it against Napoli fans? I, yeah, it was that matchup. And an, interplay, and an inter-fan got hit by a car and died. Italian football is not doing okay, and it never will again as long as the same people who broke it are left in charge to fix it. Pathetic. That's from Nima Trivali. Nima, brilliantly put. Brilliantly put. Yeah. It, uh, he said I mean, he said it all. You can't add, it, add anything to that. Um, and he is it, an inter-guy. He hosts an inter-podcast. He yeah. is shaming his own team and his own club and the situation. But he's all, you know, as a, you know, as, as a product of Italian football as a whole, of course, but... You know, but he is. Yeah. yeah when the truth needs to be said, it needs to be said. It doesn't matter who you, who you support or whatnot. Uh, it's a sh- shameful what's been going on, and, and something needs to change. And Nima's right. They say people are at the top always, and then they just keep changing positions, but they're all still the same, same, same results year after year. And, you know, things need to change there, I think. So um, he hit it right on, right on the nail on the head. Yep, for sure, for sure. So that's our that's our standing on our soapbox. It has to be addressed. I hope it's addressed. I hope Italy comes to the senses and realizes that the punishments and the penalties have to be harsher. You know, I'm not holding my breath. Let's just leave it at that. So your top five takes from what happened in Serie A over the Christmas period. Go to at Serie A, sit down on Twitter, give us some insight and some info. Maybe did, did we miss anything? Let us know. On to the top five Italian football moments of 2018. Richard, we'll start with you. These are the top five. This is all of 2018 for all of Italian football. Richard, number five for you. All right. Well, uh, I'm starting to get old old now, and I'm, my memory is starting to fade, so I just stick with this season uh, to make it easier for me. Um, number five for me is uh, Fabio Cagliarella backheel goal of the year to, at the beginning of the season. Um, what a way to score that goal. That was just unbelievable. I've seen guys do backheel goals before, but the power he had on his backheel goal was amazing. Uh, that was that was awesome to see. Okay, I I don't hate that. I'll put that in my honorable mentions because I don't have that in my top five. But it was a fantastic goal. It was jaw dropping. It, uh, it 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 almost broke the internet. Um, you know, as, as as much as an Italian football goal is going to have a chance to do so. So, uh, my number five is Italy being able to hang on to League A status in the Nations League um, okay, under yeah. uh, you know, and eliminating you know sending Poland down. You know. Needing just, you know, coming down to the last day for Portugal to secure uh, going to the semifinal. So Italy were pretty close to getting it done. Um, leaving me encouraged that Roberto Mancini has Italy in the right direction, has the national team in the right direction. There is a midfield all of a sudden. Uh, when you look at uh, uh, Jorginho uh, Verratti and Nicolo Barrera, which yeah. I think 
for the longest time that had been a huge issue with the national team under previous management. So um, Mancini used the Nations League to get Italy in the right direction, and lo and behold, they, they're going to maintain their standing in League A for when the next Nations League rolls around, which is pretty exciting. No, it's uh, certainly good things are coming from the from the Azzurri, and it does seem like Mancini is the right guy for the to lead them at least right now. Um, yeah, no, I like that the fact that they, you know, many people thought they were going to be the ones going down in that group, and uh, in fact, it was Poland. So, um, great job by them. They're finally starting an identity now. They're starting to play attacking football. About time. Uh, great job for that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I'll uh, I'll take number four. I'll start with number four. My number four moment for Italian football of all of 2018 is kind of a calamitous one: the Gianluigi Buffon meltdown at the Bernabeu. <laughs> um, a, a you know one of the dignitaries of, of Italian and world football, a a gentleman of Italian and world football. You just never ever expect that kind of behavior. Um, I mean, it just the the, the whole moment. If you're a true Italian football fan and you're a non-Juventus supporter watching that, you're just you're looking at it like, "Hi, pot, this is kettle, right?" Yep. Because <laughs> for all the calls that they get in Serie A to have it go go against them, whether you like the call or not, and I still don't know if that was a good call, uh, you know, to give the penalty and let you know to see Real Madrid through, um, but whether you like the call or not, to see how a 40-year-old man behaved uh, when he has a history of being a little more gentlemanly than that, I guess, when, when it comes to it, when he's been a statesman of the game, when he's been, you know, when you kind of consider that he could have bailed on Juventus when they, they were relegated for Cal, you know, over, over the uh, Calciopoli scandal, and he stayed put. Um, you know, he stayed loyal to Juve. He loves playing for the national team, you know, and, and the pedigree of Gianluigi Buffon to see that moment, I think it was it was perfect for anyone that wasn't a Juve fan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it certainly was. You did not expect from him. Like Zidane had a history of of, of a bad incidents throughout his career, so when he got the headbutt, it wasn't too too crazy. But what Buffon did, you're like, wait, what did he just do? He just got a red card at the end of the game, and he's not going to be in goal for the penalty kick to stop, uh, you know, Ronaldo or whoever. So. Yeah, that was totally out of the norm by, by Buffon, but hey, it's it, it was funny when you think about it because, uh, uh, you know, Juventus fans certainly probably won't think this, but you know, it was uh, it came around. Uh, you know, what goes around comes around, I guess. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. So, how about your number four? Uh, number four, I am going back. Uh, I like goals and I like Sampdoria, so I'm going to go with Ricardo Cipinara's flick over the keeper to complete the comeback or the draw against uh, Lazio. Lazio, the team who went up 2 nothing in that game, and uh, Sampdoria kept fighting and scratching, and then this wonder goal by Sapinata, maybe the second best goal of the year so far. Uh, back heel flick over the keeper to to get the draw at the last seconds of the game. Uh, that was a, that was an amazing moment for Sampdoria, and it's kind of helped them in their trajectory upwards up the table. You and uh, you and Santangelo need to hang out then if you're talking going to do all this. Uh, gonna We're do hanging all- out right now, actually. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to do all this. You're going to start doing all this Sampdoria talk. He's got a massive closet crush on Sampdoria. I think it, I think it's because of all of the uh, Polish players that come through because he's part Polish. But oh, you you didn't know that we were the admins for the Sampdoria English website. <laughs> no wonder why I can't get a hold of them to come on and be a guest on our podcast. It's you guys. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> So, all right. How about your number three moment of Italian football for 2018? The moment, and again, we're, we're talking about this season only because that's what, as far back as I wanted to think. Um, 
the moment that Gasparini put Papu Gomez and Ilicic together, because that, that just clicked. Um, Duvan Zapata has been the better for because he scored a million goals since then. Um, Atalanta, while they were before, they were a dangerous team. They're even more dangerous now with those two players, two playmakers on the pitch at the same time. And Ilicic is, is going wild, too, with goals. So uh, Gasparini for finally putting those guys together at the same time. Agreed. I, 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 you know, we've been waiting for him to do that, and they're just coming on like gangbusters all of a sudden. It looks really, really good. And as a neutral, it is fun. I look for. I love watching Atalanta as a neutral. They're one of my. Yeah. yeah. They're one of my favorites when I'm not when I don't have a dog in the hunt. I just you know I'll turn that game on and watch them because they're as, as much as I love watching Lazio last year when they were scoring juggernauts. Atalanta is that much fun this year to watch them. So, uh, great stuff. Great stuff as a neutral. Absolutely, definitely agree with that. Um, so that was your number three. My number three uh, moment for Italian football in all of 2018 uh, was the um, when it was made official that Cristiano Ronaldo was being sold to Juventus from Real Madrid for 100 million euros. Uh, a breakthrough moment in the in in what we would hope would be the resurgence of Serie A. Now, clearly, we've talked about some things that you know still leave a stain on the uh, the foot on football on the peninsula. Uh, but this is a breakthrough in terms of trying to gain traction, gain relevance, and work their way up to being on par with La Liga and with Barclays Premier League. The money that comes with it, the marketing that comes with it. And I know that I get that Juventus gets a lot of this, but the exposure for the rest of the league, it's massive, you know? So, um, this was a big time. Even at 33, he's still bringing it. He's top of the Capocan and Yeti chart. Um, and even when in games where he hasn't scored the goals, He's been an influence. So, uh, you know, Ronaldo signing for Juventus was my number three moment for Italian football in all of 2018. Yeah, that's no, it's absolutely it's huge. I mean, Serie A is starting to be mentioned now, in, in, in at least in the American uh, football shows. Before it was just you know Premier League and, and maybe the Spain, Spanish league. And now you're they're saying, oh, what is Ronaldo doing over there with Juventus now? So you know, Serie A is getting more limelight now. Now it just depends on the league to pick up their profile and and show off what they've been how good they've been and and build on that and try to become again like you said one of the best one of the best leagues if not the best league uh, in Europe so uh it's a it's a great great thing by bringing in Cristiano Ronaldo cuz he's going to certainly help them get there yes most definitely uh most definitely so um the, the profile of Serie A at least is on the rise in those respects there's still some Certainly some, some things that need cleaning up on the peninsula that we've already talked about here in this podcast, uh, but, but that was a, a, a big-time moment. Uh, my number two moment, Richard, for Italian football of all of 2018, Roma beating Barcelona in the Champions League in the quarterfinals. I still watch those highlights, whether it's Peter Drury uh, for BT Sport or whether it's Carlo Zampa, and I, I still get chills. Um, you know, you got to – I mean, the way – I mean, the way those guys called it, you felt like you were actually there. Um, with there's a reason the Peter Drury call is in the in our opening song now because it's it's so good that call. Yeah, and like you said, both Italian and the English versions were just amazing. You felt like you were there. You felt like you were a Roma supporter all of a sudden. You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, um, it was it was a breakthrough for Roma to show, hey, they can do more than just okay. Now we're playing a big team. Let's bow out. Um, that the potential is there. Now they've got to overcome some mentality things again. It looks like they're getting some things corrected. Uh, shout out to this young kid, Nicolo Zaniolo. He looks like he's the goods right now. Yeah. Um, you know, but uh, uh, 
um, sh- I, I do a shout out like he's going to listen to this and, and, and tweet me. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, but, um, but nonetheless, I mean, just, uh, it was, it was one of my favorite moments for Italian football all of last year. And, uh, uh, was just as an, as, a, as someone that bangs the drum for the Italian football, I was so excited to see that happen. No, yeah, that was, that was a great moment for Syria, and uh, really, it showed what kind of uh, what kind of family we are, Syria Syria fans, because when ESPN FC attacked Syria, attacked Roma, we all banded together and stood up against ESPN, and you know, we all had our remarks, you know, from uh, Adriano Del Monte to us to I mean, everyone had had something to say about that. So uh, that just shows you what kind of family Syria is. Absolutely, no doubt about it. Um, your number two moment. Highly touted players over the summer going missing this season. Uh, there are several. You can talk about Nayan Golan. You can talk about Pastore. But I'm, I'm thinking about two people in particular, Andrea Balotti and Sergei Milinkovic-Savic. Uh, one is starting to come around, and maybe this other, the second one is starting to come around. But mm-hmm. for the most part, you know, Milinkovic-Savic is supposed to be going for 120 million euros. He, gone, he was missing the entire season until this past week. Andrea Bellotti, also another $100 million player, supposedly you know, going to whomever. Uh, he's barely gotten any goals this year. He, I mean, he's starting to come around this last month or so, but uh, he, he's played his way out of the crap, uh, crap, of a crap on a cracker team. But, yeah, they, for the most part, you know, this, all these players we, we heard about over the summer, they're going to get millions of million dollars to, to go to. If you, have, if you want them, you have to buy them for you know, $100 million or whatever. And a lot of these guys just disappeared this season. All these new faces come up like Piantic. You know, next year we're going to hear about Piantic being worth 100 million euros. But, you know, this year, you know, General paid pennies on that on him, basically, compared to those two. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, it, it's crazy to see, you know, the underperformance of some of these guys. And, I, you know, we'll, uh, we'll, see, we'll see if they can kick up their form here in the second half of the season and get back to it. It looks like over the Christmas period, each of those players, especially the two that you mentioned, Sergey and uh, Belotti starting to come out of it a little bit um, and scoring some goals. So, uh, but um, but we'll see what happens. And the number one uh, moment for Italian football in 2018, Richard. All right, mine is like a a two part one. So it was all Italian teams dominating Europe, and I'm talking about Champions League and Europa League. And then all of a sudden faltering in Europe. Uh, it ended mm. kind of a tumultuous 13-month span for Italy in general. A couple of teams limping into this into the knockout rounds, uh, the rest of them going to Europa League. Uh, one of them bowing out completely in Milan. So it, it was a at one point where we were, you know, Napoli beating Liverpool, Inter tying Barcelona, you know, beating Tottenham and all this stuff. At one moment it was great. Every team won in Europe. And then in the next moment, almost every team lost. And you're like, what the heck just happened? And it all happened within a couple months span, really. So um, it ends, at, like I said, a 13-month uh, tumultuous time for Italy because, you know, obviously we missed the World Cup. But um, hopefully 2019 brings in new, new, uh, new light, new, new invigorated uh, energy to, you know, try to dominate again. Uh, for sure. You know, it was, uh, it was, we, I was sitting there thinking, man, we're going to have four Italian teams in the, in the knockout rounds. And going from four to two, it was just kind of – a, a, a little hard to stomach considering what could have been, but, uh, you know, we've got, uh, you know, Juve and Roma in some spots where they've got the potential to maybe, uh, to, to move on to the next round for sure. Juve, uh, you know, being, uh, touted as one of the favorites, Roma, maybe making a, a, a chance to get to the last eight if they can overcome Porto. 
And then you've got uh, Napoli, who are one of the favorites in the Europa League, uh, along with Sevilla, Chelsea, and Arsenal. Uh, so, you know, so it's certainly, um, <clears throat> you know, in, in the end, it's not horrible. You'd still, I'd still rather have the four teams left, but um, it still, you know, could make for some interesting watching here uh, for Italian football here in the European competitions. I definitely agree with you. So, so Richard's top five dealt with the first half of the 2018-2019 season. He didn't see the fine print of the production meeting that it was all of uh, calendar 2018. Um, so forgive him that his number one isn't my number one, and that was the sudden and unexpected passing of Davide Astori and the reaction um, and the reaction to it. Uh, yeah. uh, so I just I just think the outpouring, how the teams handled it, how the league handled it. Uh, I you your text woke me up. I found out when you texted me because I was like getting ready to like I've got the derby today. It's all it's all good. We're going to do the Milan derby. We're gonna have a good pod that night and all that other stuff, and then you texted, and you know told me what happened. I was like, "What the hell?" Yeah. And you know, and I had to read the news and find out for myself, and it was just crazy. Um, you know, but uh, you know, we really get after Lega Serie A. We really get after it. You know, Lega Calcio and and you know and and the, and the governing bodies for everything they get wrong. They got this right, um, canceling all of the games or postponing them. Let's say. Um, allowing, cause you know, who wants to play after that happens? Um, we didn't do our podcast out of respect, obviously. And then we were fortunate that Chloe Beresford is a huge Fiorentina supporter, uh, gave us time in the following podcast to be able to, uh, uh, you know, give us a chance to hear it from a real Fiorentini. Um, and, uh, so, uh, you know, the Juventus players had a champions league game that midweek they won and then they immediately went. From there, back to Florence for Astori's funeral. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that uh, we get so riled up, and it's one of those that it helps you, 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 you know, it, it puts things into perspective that maybe we get a little too carried away with the teams that we support and some of the things that we say and, and you know, and things like that, um, <clears throat> you know, where – uh, you know, and, and, you know, in a situation like this, um, you know, the compassion with which everybody treated it, which the teams treated it, which the league treated it the following week when Fiorentina won by a goal to nil. And it was in the 30, it was like number 31, Victor Hugo, who was a replacement scoring the goal wearing 31, which is the reverse of 13. I mean, it just, it couldn't be any more poetic. So, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. just. Just trying to remember all of those, just trying to remember all of those moments and, you know, and everything that happened and how, <clears throat> how Italian football handled it. It was, it was Italian football at its absolute classiest. They, uh, it's, it's, they got that one absolutely right that the whole, the whole time, um, from, from the moment that the news broke, you know, treating that weekend, the, the outpouring of support. Uh, all the teams getting together and and doing some kind of uh, tribute to him, uh, and then then that day that the next match for Fiorentina, like you said, with uh, honoring him, and in the thirteenth minute they had to stop the stop the game, and then um, um, Victor Hugo scoring the goal, and yeah, it was just uh, amazing two weeks really. Um, it's rare that we talk about like you said, like Serie A doing things right and you you hit it you hit it you hit it right it, and they, they they got it perfect in this one as best as you can do i guess given the situation so um 
you know, you hope they can uh, do better with other things going going forward. But as far as uh, the passing of De- Davide Astore, they got that spot on. And um, uh, it's good to see the league get together like that because, like I said, we are all humans at the end of this. Um, it doesn't matter what team you support. And you, and you saw that all the fans from everywhere – um, all the all the team presidents and 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 clubs they were just they got together and they all banded together and and supported uh, Fiorentina during that tough tough situation. Yes, for sure, for sure. So, so those were the number. That was the number one uh, moment of Italian football for me in all of uh, twenty eighteen. Uh, your your favorite moments or most memorable moments? What you're going to take from Italian football in the calendar year of twenty eighteen at City I sit down or. Uh, on Twitter or Instagram with your thoughts. Let's uh, let's hand out some awards, good and bad. All right, let's move this along, Richard. We now get to what everybody looks forward to when we do these podcasts. Uh, uh, we're going to start with uh, our um, – I'd say let's get the crap on the cracker team right away. Get it out of the way, huh? Get it out of the way. Get the crap out of the way. Get the bad stuff out of the way. We want to get, you know, it's like one of those, I got, I, got bad, I got good news and bad news. What do you want to hear first? I want the bad news first because, you know. End it on a good note. Yes, like I want to end on a good note. So we're going to do the crap on a cracker team. So, and we're going to go through this real fast. Um, right. A couple of players here, Richard, that um, uh, could have made, you know, that, that, that made this team are actually, if they ever get some, if they ever get some form in them, you know, and one of them is starting to, um, they'll be off this team in a hurry. So, yeah. I, so if you're fans of these players, don't be alarmed. This is just because of what we expect of them, and they're not living up to it. So here's what we have. So our goalkeeper is Frozinone's Marco Sportiello. Uh, we employ a five-man defense. Uh, at right back is Frozinone's Francesco Zampano. Uh, in the middle, we're going to go with uh, Empoli's Matias Silvestri, who I think has been on this team a few times before. Um, Chievo's Luca Rosatini, Roma's Juan Jesus, and at left back, on left wing back, if you will, is uh, uh, Frozinone's Bartosz Salomon. I don't think he's ever played left wing back before, but we're going to put him there. Um, maybe so, he'll do well. <laughs> yeah, maybe he. Maybe that's that. Maybe that'll get him out of it. If Frozinone puts him at left wing back, suddenly he's uh, suddenly he becomes a baller and gets off this thing. So. Um, Juan Jesus, just because yeah. every time he's been called on, he's been awful. Yeah, it's true. Uh, every now and then, someone's got to you know give a break to final us, and so when he steps up, uh, he does a poor job of it, and it makes a uh, makes the fans clamor for final us again. And so uh, it takes a lot to do because uh, we know what the kind of players those those two are. But uh, Juan Jesus, Juan Jesus, has been have. Um, from what we expect him to to put out there when he goes out there, he's not performing whatsoever, and he's he's part of the problem with Roma right now. And and uh, yeah, he needs a he if he has some good performances, he can get out of it. But uh, man, what he's done so far, it's been pretty bad. Yeah, it has. It's been brutal. Um, you know, and and again, you we're not when we pick our crap on a cracker, which is the equivalent of everybody else's flop eleven. Uh, you have to have played, and you have to have played a number of games. You couldn't have just been bought and just sat on the bench to be considered a flop like some places do. That's not a flop to us. You had to go out and you had to prove that you sucked. Okay? And and these guys have all gone out and they've proven that they have sucked this season. So that's our our back five. Uh, 
let's go into the midfield. We've got four players holding the midfield, uh, if he can hold it, and I don't think that he will, is Kievo's Ivan Radovanovic, Richard. <laughs> um, well, we're really picking on Kievo here because Walter Birsa appears in this team in that yeah. midfield. Uh, and then the two, we're gonna, the, the rest of it are guys that, if they can start showing a little bit of form, they're going to get off this team pretty quick. We're going to go with Lazio's, Lazio's Sergei Milinkovic-Savic, AC Milan's Hakan Chalhanolu, and then up front we're going with Udinese's Kevin Lasagna. Harsh on Lasagna, though, Richard, because he got an Italy call-up. Uh, under Mancini, and that, uh, yeah, you know, but the only, but he needs with with what he's got around him. In, in 15 appearances, he should deliver more than three goals, for, even Kevin if it's Udinese. Uh, yeah, Kevin Lasagna should get you 10, 15 goals with his eyes closed every season, and he's got three so far. Um, you know, you can't say it, you can't blame all on Udinese because Rodrigo De Paul is getting his goals right now, so. Uh, it's Lasagna's not scoring for whatever reason. He's not even playing playmaker right now. It, he's just a man in the front. He's a great person to have up front, but he's not doing what he needs to be doing for them, and that's why he's that's why he's in uh, leading the line, if you will, for our crap and our cracker. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Now Talhanolu, it just for whatever reason, it you know he has he, he he had a pretty good campaign. You know when Gattuso took over, he was one of the guys that shined. Uh, you know in the second half of the season yeah. from Milan, and now he's regressed. Uh, so he certainly has worked his way back when I thought that, you know, make the progression from the second half of the season and now and be an even more, you know, unstoppable influence. And I think he's still having his issues. Sergei Milinkovic. I, yeah, go ahead. Uh, you know, I'll let you talk about both of these players. Sergei Milinkovic Savage is in this team. A lot of it has to do with the first, you know, uh, you know, first 15 or 16 games of the season. This just looked like a player that clearly looked like, why am I still here? I was linked to all of these clubs. I am not sold at the end of the day, and I'm still here, and played accordingly. I mean, he really did. Yeah, like he's that kid who didn't get picked by Real Madrid and then pouted about it and said, you know, I'm not going to play because you know, I should have gone over there. That's exactly how he played. He like he didn't care at all. But uh, his last three matches or so, he's really turned it around, and uh, maybe he's going to have a, 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 a better second half and get off of this list, but time will tell. But at the, at the moment, he's he's the captain for me of the crap and a cracker. I mean, my my I when I text the, the Atalanta game was the telling one. I watched that game and I texted you. I said SMS is our is in our crap on a cracker team. You know, full stop. Because <laughs> he looked horrible in that game. He looked he 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 looked like he didn't care. He looked he looked like he was going through the motions. He looked lost. It gets an Atalanta side where when you kind of take a look at. Okay, Froehler and Daron were excellent in that game, but still, it's Froehler, it's Froehler and Daron. It's a, it's it's a, you shouldn't have that much trouble with them, um, you know. And uh, you know that's where he clinched it for me. Um, yeah, you know. But uh, if he starts, if he plays like he did over the Christmas period, he's getting off this team real quick. So I think so. I think so. And and I think also with, with Chalanolu, part of it was he's having problems with his girlfriend or whatever and and they broke up and so maybe he was down because of that uh i guess as of late they've they got back together so maybe his play will pick up but i know he had personal distractions that would aid in his poor performances because like you said when gattuso took over he was one of the best players on the team um he just was inspired by gattuso and playing so well he still had some big games this year but for the most part it's been inconsistent and and deserving to be on this crap and cracker team yeah, for sure, for sure. So that's our crap on a cracker one more time. In goal, Marco Sports Yellow. Uh, back five of Francesco Zampano, 
Matias Silvestri, Luca Rosatini, Juan Jesus, and Bartosz Salomon. A midfield, I guess we can make a diamond out of this. Ivan Umarovanovic, Walter Birsa, Sergei Milinkovic Savic, Hakan Chalhanolu, and then Kevin Lasagna leading this miserable pile. Um, now, on to the mid-season team of the year, our Squadra Pinora, Richard. Um, and uh, we went back and forth on this and made some interesting decisions, and I think we're going to go position by position, and we're going to start in goal. And uh, our decision in goal, very worthy nominees. We got uh, Michael Lisi out there trying to tout for Alban Lafont uh, for Fiorentina. We hear you. Yeah. We get you. Um, you know, Wojciech Szczesny, we don't know if it's him. We don't know if it's the defense. I mean, obviously, Juve conceding only 11 goals. Uh, you know, Davide Ospina has certainly made an impression since joining Napoli, but Merit has had a couple of appearances, too, you know, where he's been pretty good. So our selection uh, for goalkeeper in the Squadra Finora is Inter Milan's Sami Handanovic. Yes, uh, Batman, if you will. He, uh, he's been playing uh, amazing. He, I mean, he, he's a great goalkeeper. But this year in particular, he's been playing really well, making some big, big saves. And uh, and the big, the bigger the games, the bigger the saves he makes. And uh, really, he is uh, a big reason—not the only reason, obviously—but a big reason why Inter are where they are. Uh, a great, great goalkeeper. He may have had a down year last year, but uh, he's certainly playing uh, by far the best year, best this year over anybody, any other goalkeeper. He has, I think, at least three more clean sheets than anybody else. So, um, great season by him so far. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, I think the honorable mention would go to Lafont if it goes to anybody. Um, yeah, Luigi Seppe's in there as well. Luigi Seppe's had a very fine season so far. Um, you know, but Lafont has kept you know Fiorentina in game Seppe. But I, you know, I, I, I can't fight Handanovic. I know that the Milan derby in particular, he wasn't really bothered in that game too much. Uh, but uh, he's also stood in and. Uh, you know, helped keep Inter in some games when the when when things weren't going so well going forward, um, <clears throat> and uh, you know certainly is uh, has come up big in some in some key moments. And uh, you know, only 14 goals conceded for the Nerazzurri. A big reason why is because of the uh, the goalkeeper they have uh, at their disposal, Sami Handanovic. So at right back we have Juventus's Joao Cancelo. Let's talk about him. Yeah, uh, people thought, you know, he made the big moves from uh, Inter to Juventus that maybe he wouldn't get in the lineup right away, wouldn't kick off right away, but he started off with a bang with uh, Juventus, and he's been providing, you know, many, many big assists, bombing down the right-hand flank, even at times playing on the left-hand side, you know, depending on whatever Allegri needs. So uh, Cancelo has been really uh, a pivotal player for Allegri in his system, and, and and part of the, you know, their undefeated team, is, is he's a big part of it, obviously, and he can, he can play defense, and he can play on the offensive side as well. So um, a, a very, very good right back. Uh, you know, absolutely. Um, and when you go to Juventus, you're only going to get better as a defender. Uh, you know, so that's that's a part of his game that's definitely going to improve. He, he, can, he can pick out a cross. He's outstanding at that. Uh, so there's, there's many qualities to him and certainly deserving. Um, I look at, uh, the landscape at right back at, you know, across Serie A. I mean, the other two that come to mind that I think, you know, certainly de- deserve mentions here, Richard, uh, Manuel Itzadi of Spal, uh, yes. has been terrific for that team. Um, you know, and certainly deserves honorable mention. And I'm going to go with, I'm also going to go for Sime Versialco of Inter. Um, okay. Okay. you know, because I think as a replacement for Joao Cancelo, he has definitely brought a defensive element that was better than Cancelo. 
but he also has a good he also has a pretty, he doesn't have Cancelo's crossing game to him but it's adequate enough you have Politano in front of you at times you're going to have Cantoreva in front of you so you know it, it almost is like Versialco is a better fit for that team just because of what's in front of him um he doesn't have to go forward and pump 12 to 15 crosses like maybe a Cancelo's required to do or Cancelo likes to do right right uh, he plays a position ever since really the World Cup. Uh, Versalco's having was having an amazing time. He's he was a good player before, uh, but he, the fit is just right with uh, with Inter, and maybe it's because he has Croatian teammates on the team. He's comfortable that way. I don't know, but uh, he seems to be right fit. Like you said, he he doesn't have to bombard there all the time with with crosses. He can pick out his moments. Uh, you know, stay stay put defensively when he has to, and 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 be there. You know, defend uh, to tighten up the defense, but. Uh, he he seems to be fitting like perfectly there, and it's, it's almost as if they don't even miss Cancelo anymore. Um, having him back there, so hey, uh, good shot with that. And Manuel, Manuel Lazzari, you know, he's he's in the top five of assists this year in Serie A, and he's a right back. Uh, so that shows how good he's been for Spa. So I don't think he's going to stay there for long. So uh, we'll see where he ends. Marcialo of uh, Bologna has also been decent as a right wing back in a three man defense uh, in front of a three man defense. Uh, you obviously can't ignore Hans Hattabor in that same role for Atalanta. So, and Lorenzo Di Silvestri of Torino. Uh, you know, so we had plenty of uh, right backs to choose from. We landed on Joao Cancelo, uh, but uh, certainly a position that's very deep on the peninsula at the moment. Uh, let's uh, let's make this one quick, Richard. Our two center backs. It's a slam dunk. Kalidou Koulibaly of Napoli and Giorgio Chiellini of Juventus. Two of the three. Two of the three best. Uh defenders in, in 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 the world really agreed uh, Koulibaly and Chiellini Chiellini's gotten better he's he's been injury riddled but he's come back this year very strong I don't know what he's been working out with Ronaldo or what but uh it's been it's been paying off and Koulibaly he just continues to be amazing yeah for full sure stop, full stop for sure uh you know with that third being Diego Godin over at uh, Atletico Madrid yeah. um and Uruguay Uruguay so yeah, I mean, I just don't think there's another center back right now performing that's that's holding a candle to these two guys. Um, you know, at the moment, I think you can give a shout out to Nicholas and Kolu. I'm fine with that. I won't fight you. Um, Skriniar's another one. Skriniar's having a nice season at Inter. Um, I mean, you've got to mention just to, just all of those Inter defenders at the moment with uh, with 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 their defensive rate. Um, so you know, there's some other good ones out there, but uh, Christian you know, Zapata? No, I'm just kidding. He's had some decent games, but not to the point where I would not to the point where I would throw him in there. But uh, <clears throat> but but anyway, um, uh, you know, Koulibaly and Chiellini just need it taken from them, and I don't think anyone's in a position to do that. I would say guys like Nkolu and Skriniar are the closest. Um, you know, I kind of like how Serbia is starting to fit in at Lazio. I think he needs to do yeah, a little bit more. Yeah, more. But yeah. uh, but those are our two guys. Left back, uh, Fiorentino's Cristiano Baraghi, Richard. Yeah, he's. Uh, there's there's some other people that you can mention in this position, but I think contributing to their team uh, scoring and and both offensively, defensively, I think Baraghi takes a cake on this one. He just seems to be involved in every goal. It seems like with Fiorentina, if he's not assisting on it, he's at least setting up the transition from one end to the other. So he's been very instrumental for Fiorentina. Uh, and and all these close games that they've had, and he's he's not only offensive guy, he can play defense as well. And as a reason he get called up to Azuri is because he's been all around good left back. So uh, I think that's a, a safe play why we picked him at, at left back. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
I like it. I like. I mean, I think that this is a who means more to their team pick. Right. Um, right. When you consider the team dynamic of Juventus, um, I I feel like Alexandro's getting back to that 2016-2017 form that made him so good. Uh, that made him just a permanent lock at this position in our in our squad. If you know um, but uh, I, I can't fight you on Biragi because he's been very important to Fiorentina. But if I had to pick someone over him, I would pick Alexandro. Um, I'm, I'm just reminded of how he just absolutely ate Suzo for lunch in the game against Milan. Yep. Um, I mean, he just bossed him off the pitch. Uh, you know, the, as just an example, uh, you know, the defensive qualities, and then he can still go forward and deliver a cross when needed. So, but Biragi's been very important. A Fiorentina team that has a lot of talent, a team that's been very good defensively this season. And, you know, he's offered that defensively, that area of his game has improved, but he also can just bomb forward and pump the crosses too. And he's, he's, he's got the all around game. And uh, I don't have a problem with Cristiano Baraki with Alexandro being a very, very close second at this position. Um, so let's move on to our holding midfielders, Richard and our holding, we have two holding midfielders that we're going to play. Yep. We have Alan from Napoli and Marcelo Brozovic of Inter. Let's start with Alan. Wow, this guy is a this guy is a, a engine guy. He doesn't stop working. Uh, people want to give all the credit to you know Jorginho for how good you know, how good Napoli were last year, but Alan was a big part of that, and he still is. And when he's not there, it's a noticeable difference because the the work rate this guy has is ridiculous, and he doesn't seem like this guy ever tires. And you need that kind of player to be able to have the other players, other pieces to do what they do. They need someone that box a box guy who does just relentlessly, you know, works on the offensive end, the defensive end, everywhere. Boston at midfield, and Alan is certainly a player that that has the capabilities, and he's probably the best at it right now in Syria. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, you know, as good as it gets as far as a box to box midfielder is concerned, but the guy we're putting next to him is pretty good too, Marcelo Brozovic. Um, I mean, his performance. I mean, just the the performance in the Milan derby alone, and I. I hate keep referencing the referencing the games that, that that he was in, you know that these guys were in against Milan. But um, he covers so much ground. He can put in a cross. He can put in a key pass. He just does so much. Um, he's really been a big time engine room player for Inter. Yeah, he's been he's he's another player who uh, did really well for Croatia in the World Cup, and he fed off of that into this season. He just continues to make the the midfield his. Uh, pulling the strings, uh, doing the midfield work just like Alan does. Um, he is very pivotal for Inter, I think, for them going forward. He he can help them shake their mentality flaws that they have because uh, the work rate that he puts in, uh, he's he's certainly capable of shaking guys out of the ruts and getting the team, you know, going in the right direction from transition from defense to offense. Uh, he's he's certainly a player I would keep in the squadra final probably the season's ends unless something. Uh, tragic happens with him. Uh, he's going to be there to say, "Yeah, yeah, for sure." And when we're looking at these 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 true central midfield positions, um, you know, we we uh, you know here here are the guys that at least I want you in. You know, I'll give you a chance to give yours. Um, uh, Daniele Baselli at Torino has been very good. Um, you know, for starters, uh, yeah. you know, I like I like how he has played. Um, you know, Nicolo Barrero is more of a national team shout than a Cagliari shout. He's been okay for Cagliari. Uh, 
you know, Seiko Fofana for Udinese is a reason why they're starting to find a little bit of rhythm now all of a sudden. You know, when you're starting to, you know, go down to the lower reaches, when you start working your way up. Um, at Juventus, I think Rodrigo Bentancourt is starting to have a bit of a breakthrough season. I'll, uh, you know, I guess we can we can forgive the red card uh, against Atalanta, uh, I believe. Um, so, you know, just, uh, just some names to throw out there. Um, you know, Roma, we already talked about Nicola Zaniolo as a good young player that's coming up. He hasn't had enough of a sample size you know, to start being mentioned with players of this ilk. Um, and then, um, you know, over at Fiorentina, uh, Benassi has been terrific um, yeah, as a box-to-box -box guy, too. So these are all deserving guys. Uh, we just are tipping Alan and Brozovic just ahead of all of them uh, to play in our squad at Finora. So yeah. uh, any guys that you want to give a shout-out to that kind of play that role? A lot of those guys that you mentioned already, but uh, probably another one I'd add to that is probably Piotr Zielinski. Uh, he's been sure. he's been playing really well this year. He seems to be starting to take over that midfield uh, for Napoli. So yeah, I think with uh, more consistency, he'll probably be a lock in that eventually. But uh, yeah, he's another name I throw in there. Okay, no problem there. No problem there. Wouldn't fight that. All right, let's uh, let's throw three guys in front of those two. Um, we'll get to the striker at the end. Um, uh, we're going to have an attack. It's basically going to end up being a four-man attack. He's not, you know, not in the strictest definition in attacking midfield. Uh, but uh, we will go with uh, Sampdoria's Fabio Quagliarella, Atalanta's Papu Gomez, and Juventus's Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, Richard, your thoughts on those three? Wow, what more can you say about those players? Uh, Quagliarella at you know at 96 years old is still getting goals in 12 goals this <laughs> season. <laughs> you give him too much. He, you give him too much credit. He's at 120. Yeah, well, but he's a he's a he's a true poacher. He's always in the right place at the right time. He's got the goal of the year lockdown already with that back heel flick we mentioned. Uh, he's he's, la he's, he's Lazarus still walking the earth. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> Papu Gomez. Papu Gomez is doing Papu Gomez things. He's he pulls the strings for Atalanta. He is just so talented of a player. It's it's, it's a shame that he doesn't get to call up for Argentina as much as he should. Um, he's such a fantastic player for them, and now that he's got a, a partner like Ilicic, uh look out for Atalanta. <laughs> what more can you say about Ronaldo? Ronaldo is leading the league in goals. He has 14 goals, five assists. Uh, he is everything that we thought he was going to be in coming to this league. He started a little slow. I mean, very slow. He missed like the first what three, four games. He didn't score a goal, but he's been hot ever since. In the last you know, month, he's been scoring. He not only was way behind the pack, he caught up to the pack and then passed him. Yeah, um, I don't think he's going to let it up. So he, that's a great shot for those three players there uh, to to lead the attack, if you will. And there are a lot of players in this in these roles that 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 could have been in here. Lorenzo Insigne is having a fine season for Napoli. Um, Matteo Politano has uh, found you know found a home here at Inter. He's doing really well there. Uh, you know, I'm just kind of going down the list of some of these teams. You know, you can make a shot for Ilicic for Atalanta. We put Papu Gomez in there. Uh, Iago Falque has been influential for Torino. Federico Chiesa is having a really nice season for Fiorentina. Um, you know, just go down the list. Uh, Gervinho for Parma and some of the stuff that he's done. Yeah, Rodrigo De Paul also. Rodrigo De Paul over there at Udinese. So plenty of playmakers. Suzo for Milan. Uh, you know, the, the goalless draw against Frozenoni, him not being in there, his, his, the lack of his presence was definitely felt. Um, you know, so uh, these are these are all players that, uh, you know, you could certainly, you know, have a bit of a discussion about, but we're more than happy with the three that we've picked. Uh, Fabio Quagliarella, 
Papu Gomez and Cristiano Ronaldo. Now to our striker, and I think Richard, this is where some controversy could spark. Okay. Um, we 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 talked about this. We went back and forth, and what I decided, what I thought was important, and did, did we, we we came to a consensus on this. Who is okay? There's a lot of guys out there, a lot of strikers out there scoring goals. Who is scoring the important goals? And while Christoph Piontek's having an outstanding season so far for Genoa, yep, he's look at those 13 goals. A lot of them are against lesser teams, and he's feasting on the minnows a little bit. Okay, penalties too. Penalties too. Arkadiusz Milik feasting on the minnows a little bit here. Okay, Uh, Ciro Immobile had that awesome goal against Napoli on the on the first match day, but. You know, who of substance has he scored on since? Um, Duvan Zapata is obviously starting to grow into it. You know, Mauro Icardi is always going to score important goals. We'd like to see more than nine from him at this point uh, for Inter. Um, so our striker, and we have touted him pretty highly here uh, on the Serie A sit-down, and with good reason, because he might only have eight goals right now, but... Look at who he has scored against. He has scored against Milan. He has scored against Inter. He scored against. Did he score against Roma? He had an assist against Roma, I think. Um, yeah, I think an assist. If I'm not mistaken, but he has had a hand in some significant goals here uh, for the Bianco. No, he scored against Roma. Uh, he has had a significant hand and has scored big goals in big games. And uh, he is the striker we want in the squad di Finora because of that. Big game Mo, Mario Mandzukic wins out as our striker in the squadra finora. And he's really our most versatile attacker because he can play in no, a, a number of positions. He's got all four of these guys at the top can rotate and play any of these positions. But Mandzukic, he, like you said, he scores the big goals. He has one of the best Champions League goals in, in history uh, with that goal against um, Real Madrid. Uh, he is just a fantastic player. He's a hardworking player. It doesn't matter how old he is. He gets it done. He runs. He he's a, he can backtrack like like nobody else. He's probably the best backtracking forward there is. Um, he scores the the goals when it matters. He, it's not against the middles. Against these big games, he always steps up. Whether it's a header, uh, a poaching goal, a, a long range shot, he does it all, and it doesn't seem to quit. And there's a reason why he started in in, in the World Cup over a guy named Kalinic, and nobody even cares about it anymore. So. Um, big game Mo is the reason we call him big games because that's he, that's when he scores in the big game. So uh, I, I I agree 100% with this pick here. Yeah, he it's just because of the significance of the goals that he has scored so far this season. You know, with all due respect, Christoph Piontek is having a breakthrough season. We completely recognize that. I mean, Mandzukic scored against Lazio. I'm looking. I'm going back and looking at who he scored against. Uh, you know, he scored. Uh, did he score against Napoli? There was three goals in that game. He had to have. Yes, he, he had a brace against Napoli. He scored against Lazio. He braced against Napoli. He scored against Roma. He scored against Inter. He scored against Milan. He scored against every team that they play against in the top six. Okay? So there's your argument for why Mario Mandzukic is our striker in the squad, if you know that. And that's it. We love what Piantec is doing. We're big Christoph Piantec fans over here. We're big fans of some of the other strikers that are getting it done. But Mario Mandzukic, if I need a goal in a big game right now, that's the guy that's proving to me that can go out and get it for me. And that's why he is our striker. Absolutely. Piantic is a guy who's scoring goals right now, but he hasn't proved it yet in the big games. Gervinho is having a good career, a good season so far. And, and Milik, we're hoping to be that guy, but Mandzukic is the guy right now when it, when it comes to big goals. That's who you're going to go for. It's not going to be, I mean, it's probably Ronaldo or, or Mandzukic in this case, but Mandzukic scores in every big game, it seems like. So uh, 
he's deserved to be here. Absolutely. I, I, you know, totally agree with that. So, all right. Having said that, that's our squad. If it is, uh, again, we'll recap it. Our goalkeeper is Inter Samir Handanovic. Right back, Juventus's Joao Cancelo. Center backs, Napoli's Khalidou Koulibaly and Juventus's Giorgio Chiellini. Left back, Fiorentina's Cristiano Biraghi. Midfielders, Napoli's Alan and Inter's Marcelo Brozovic. Uh, attackers, Sampdoria's Fabio Quagliarella, Atalanta's Papu Gomez, Juventus's Cristiano Ronaldo, and our striker is Juventus's Mario Mandzukic. So that is our midseason squad of Finora. Tell us yours at Serie A sit down on Twitter or Instagram. Let's finish with our manager of the half season, player of the half season, and bold predictions for 2019. This has been a fun one. Hard to believe that we have taken an hour and 15 minutes of everybody's time so far, Richard. They probably can't even believe. They probably don't even pay attention to the time. They're loving this discussion so much. <laughs> Or they're, anno- that, or they're annoyed yeah. with us and they say, what crap are you going to spew out of your mouths next, right? They're still fuming about the Manzukic call, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of, uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, feedback on that, so, you, you think know. we're going to win back some Juventini fan with the, after this, uh, after these awards? We've kind of, we've kind of gone up and down <laughs> with it. We've, you know, the VAR, we kind of, we kind of, kind of just kind of kicked kick them around on that, but then we came back and put four of their players in our squad that you know so they can't be that mad. So, yeah, there's still a couple more awards to give out. So, sure, sure. So, all right. So, let's uh, get to our manager of the half season. Richard, I'll start with you. All right, manager of the half season. Well, since we're talking about Juventus, um, I'm not going to go with their manager. Uh, sorry. Uh, but uh, I will say my manager of the season is a manager who, year in, year out, uh, has to lose his best players to the wolves of European football and has is forced to regroup every time and every time he succeeds. Of course, I'm talking about Giampiero Gasparini. Uh, what he's done year in, year out after losing all his players and just regroups immediately and, and has uh, a, a a European fighting team uh, this year even more evident than any other one. Uh, he's doing a fantastic job with uh, Atalanta at the moment and I mean, they're scoring goals for fun right now. Ilicic is reaping the benefits with two hat-tricks in the last few weeks. Um, this team is very fun to watch, as Frank said, for the neutral. I mean, if you're not an Atalanta supporter, you should still watch this game, their games because they're going to – it's fun, flowing uh, football, soccer, culture, whatever you want to call it. Um, they, they give everyone a test. Ask Juventus. Ask, uh, ask uh, anybody, really, that's been on their schedule. So, uh, Giampiero Gasparini doing it again for me. Okay, I want to throw a couple before I get my manager of the half season. I'm going to throw a couple of honorable mentions. I'm going to start with Sassuolo's Francesco De Zervi. Um, yeah. having oh, yeah. them in 11th having them in 11th position, it seems like he's found a place to hang his hat. The team's responding to him. They're in 11th on 25 points. They're starting to taper off a little bit. They got it handed to him by Gasparini's men uh, here on the on the 29th uh, to the tune of a 6-2 defeat. Uh, but overall, um, He's really studied things there from the the Nero Verdi, and you know, I thought that Sassuolo would be decent. I thought they would be the fun bad team of Serie A this year. And when you look at their when you look at their record, they've played eleven, they've got twenty five points, they've scored thirty and given up thirty two in nineteen games. So the statistics suggest that that is the case. Um, but 
he's done it while being able to get results and being maybe in a higher table position than one would expect. So, uh, so an honorable mention to him. Uh, I'll give an honorable mention also to Walter Mazzotti over at Torino. Um, he seems to really have this thing steadied. Um, they're in ninth and fine. They're, they've been, that's, that's kind of been their MO mid table ish. Uh, but they seem to be playing. They seem to be playing better football. They seem to have a little bit more of an identity to them. Um, you know, they're not afraid of playing and taking on the big boys. They have some players in their, in their team that are going to aggravate you. And I think that he's done a really nice job studying this thing. And if he can get some more goals out of Andrea Bellotti, Torino is on the way up. And our friend Rafa might have been onto something talking about Torino on our podcast earlier this season. So, But my manager yeah, of the half yeah. season, uh, I'm going to go to a veteran here. Uh, I'm going to Carlo Ancelotti of Napoli uh, with the job that he's done there. Uh, when Sadi left and Ancelotti took over, everybody except for us said there's going to be a huge drop-off. Um, we thought Inter would be Juventus's closest uh, title challengers, and through the first half of the season, it's Napoli. And I think Ancelotti deserves a lot of credit here. Um, I think that in his career, he's obviously extremely decorated, but this is a project where he is – it almost is as if, Richard, he's taken the mistakes that he made at Bayern and has learned from them, and he's putting that into application and practice at Napoli, where – Okay, and we've said this, we've said this repeatedly throughout our podcast this season. Okay, I've got a way I want to do things, all right, but I know where you guys come from. And I know the uh, personality that you guys come from in terms of how you play football. If you guys want to go back to that in-stream, in-game, go ahead, have at it because that's what you know and you're good at it. I'll make the substitutions to make you know, put us in position to win the game. I'll make the adjustments to put, and that's where that's that's what we're seeing with Ancelotti with this Napoli team. You would say, hey, forty-four points through nineteen games, they should be a lot closer to first. It's just Juventus has just been on an absolutely ridiculous run this season, a historic run. So I give Ancelotti credit for keeping Napoli in the position that they're in. They're on forty-four points through nineteen games. Okay, they missed out on the they missed out on qualifying for the next round of the Champions League. They were one goal away in a very tough group, but they're in a position where that if they care about it, they can win the Europa League. And uh, things look really, really good with with what Carlo Ancelotti has done. Yeah, absolutely. That's a that's a great pick, and you have to look no further than the Champions League when when the group stages were announced and the and the group that. Napoli were in, which is a group of death. Everyone said no, Napoli's not making it out, and they didn't. But it was very close. They made, they fought PSG, they fought Liverpool. They missed out by a goal. Um, Ancelotti has a lot to do with that, and you know I believe Ancelotti is going to make them a a strong contender, if not the main contender in in Europa League, because he's brought in for the for the European pedigree in these big competitions. And he, what we've seen through the you know the group stages and Champions League is that he's turned Napoli into that kind of team. You know, compare this team in the in, in Europa League and uh, Champions League against last year's, it's night and day. I mean, it's night and day. Um, you can see the, you see the effect Ancelotti's having on the team. And then, like you said, in in the in the Serie A, he's rotating players and they're still getting the same results. You know, they weren't rotating last year. Now they got so many more guys. If guys go down injured, they got guys can step up. Arkadiusz Milik is being used. Obviously, he was injured last year, but. Um, 
he's scoring goals now. He's got 10 goals on the season, and uh, he's starting to become a, the player that they were hoping he would become when they first signed him. So um, he's finding a way to use all his talented players at once, and now Verity's getting more play, more pitch time as well, and um, Unas is in the, in the, in the game, and um, Malquit, and, and the list goes on and on. And, uh, yeah, it's a fantastic job managing by Ancelotti, and uh, that's, a, that's a great pick for sure. Yep, yep. So, and I've got no problem with the Gasparini pick. He seems to have Atalanta in a really good position right now. So, all I right. Feel like I, I feel like I always pick Gasparini for these picks. <laughs> I should go back to all the podcasts. I feel like I always pick Gasparini. Well, you have. I just, I wasn't going to tell you, but you have. So, <laughs> I like what I like, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So they could be 12th, and you'd find a reason for Gasparini to be manager of the season and say, hey, yeah. is that all these days? Still figuring out how to get him to 12th. And whatever. True. So. All right, player of the season, player of the half season. We've got so many to pick from. We've ran off a bunch of names, but who's your choice for player of the half season at this point? I think we're going to be unanimous on this, but I could be wrong. But uh, it's got to be at least for me, Cristiano Ronaldo. Fourteen goals, five assists, leads the league in goals, is up there in in, in assists. Uh, he has become the impact player that we've expected him to be. Yes, he's scoring a lot of penalty goals, but he's also scoring some brilliant goals, some big goals as well. Uh, whenever there's a big game and Juventus win by a goal, he's usually the one who gets that goal, uh, the game-winning goal. So uh, he's been everything that we've hoped for coming into Serie A, and uh, he's leading the league in goals like we expected him to be. It took a little while, but uh, he got there. So, yeah, there's not, it seems like there's nothing this guy isn't doing. He ad- he's adapted uh, almost, almost flawlessly, almost seamlessly to uh, Serie A. So he's my player of the year so far. Uh, I, you know, I tried so, I've been trying so hard to like, there's gotta be somebody other than Ronaldo. There's gotta be, um, just to be contrarian, I'm going to say Mario Mandzukic, uh, just because of, you know, no, I won't do that. Mario Mandzukic has certainly scored the goals and he's probably been better, you know, some of it, he's been a beneficiary of Ronaldo's work. So I will go with Cristiano Ronaldo for that reason. Um, you know, while Mandzukic is getting those goals in those big games, Ronaldo has been a big creator of those goals, um, you know, along with some of the other players in the Juventus team. But, you know, and, and it's not because he's become the anointed face of Serie A or any of these other crazy big, but it's the, the, the stats speak for itself. 14 goals, five assists. He's relentless. Um, he has added a dynamic to Juventus that make them even more dangerous than they were a season ago. I don't think that there's 17 played 19, won 17, two draws without him. I think that there's some losses in there if he's not in there. Um, and I think that that's one of the things that you have to look at when you're measuring a most valuable player. Um, I think he has taken a very good Juventus team and he has made them an elite team. Um, you know, so a, a very deep, Juventus team and made them in a better team. So, and that is what you pay for. That is what a hundred million euros is supposed to pay for. And that's the impact that you're supposed to have. And it took him a little while to get going. There were some definite struggles, but once he got acclimated to the game, once he got acclimated to the tactics, he's turned up and he has come through and scored some goals. Uh, it started with the, uh, it started with the Sassuolo game. We said it and I, I predicted that when I was back, when I was, actually doing my fearless fives. I said, this is going to be the Ronaldo breakout game, and he braces in that game. So um, while I just worked feverishly to try to figure out, 
I've got to put somebody other than Ronaldo in here. And the only other guy that I would probably argue for is his teammate, Mario Mandzukic. So Cristiano Ronaldo, for me, is the player of the half season. So well, it is unanimous then. Yep, it is unanimous. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, move on. 2019 is uh, upon us. By the time you are listening to this, it probably will be 2019. It depends on when Richard gets done with the editing. Um, <laughs> so he does have a baby, so give him a chance. Could be 2020. Could be 2020. It could be, tw- it could be 2020. <laughs> yeah, there, there have been some. There have been some that have come out that I'm like wondering. I'm like, man, you, it's going to be. We're going to have to record the next one. You don't even have this one out. So. <laughs> but I but I understand why I get it I get it yeah it's it, having it, baby life is not easy <laughs> so uh, but let's uh, let's leave uh, the people with three bold predictions for 2019 for Italian football and I'll let you go first all three of mine one, one time yep all right um, there's been a theme with my picks uh, tonight and people uh, people or teams that I've mentioned and teams that I haven't mentioned so. It's going to be all in this bull prediction. My first bull prediction, uh, I'm going to go in reverse order, actually. Uh, my first bull prediction, I think uh, Gennaro Gattuso will be fired before the end of the season. I just think there's too much inconsistency with the team. Who replaces um, him? Who replaces him? Who replaces him? Maybe Conte. I hope it's a big name. Uh, if it's some other, some another another project or something like that, I'm going to be pissed off. It needs to be an elite manager. Who will want to come here? I don't know, but... Yeah, a name like Conte, a big name, would have to be the only person that would be like a Donadoni would not suffice to, suffice it for me. You think have to be a big name? You think he's coming before the end of the season, though? I have a feeling Atus is not going to make it. I just I feel like if if the teams below him or around them start pulling away a little bit, they get they'll get a little trigger happy. Which right now at this moment they've been very calm and uh, don't worry about it. He's he's here for the whole time, but. I can see them getting a little trigger, you know, trigger happy, you know, and seeing the Champions League spot go further and further away. I can see it happening. So that's what, that's my bold prediction. I think Atuza is going to be fired. Um, my second bold prediction: I think Sampdoria makes the Europe Europa League. Um, who okay. they who gets who gets knocked out? We'll see. But I think Sampdoria is just sneak in there in that seventh spot. Um, it's going to be. Uh, a lot of work to do for sure. They need to be more consistent on the road, but they have the pieces there that to get them there. If they can figure a way to play as well as they do at home as they do on the road, or vice versa, I should say, then I think they could be a, a, a dog in this hunt. Um, so I'm going to say Sampdoria Europa League. And then my number one bold prediction is I think the Champions League spot, the last one, will go to Bergamo, Atalanta. I, th- I think they they got something going right now with Ilicic, Gomez, Duvan Zapata, Gossens, Freuler, and the list goes on and on. Um, while the teams around them, Roma, Lazio, Milan, they all have excellent players. They're not playing as a chemistry as one unit as Atalanta are. And yes, Atalanta have had dips in the past where they started out hot and go cold or vice versa. I don't know. I think this year they have a chance. I think they're going to stick it together and and sneak up in there and get that last Champions League spot. Okay, okay. I, I, I like all three of those. For my money, if, if Gattuso doesn't finish the season, I think the most realistic scenario is that Leonardo comes up come, comes out of the front office and finishes the season with the team and guides them in a direction and, and gets it ready for the next guy. So um, yeah. I, I, I argued that on Twitter, and I said, 
that's the most realistic thing for Milan should they move on from Gattuso. And I would actually be happy with that because last time he was seen managing a Milan team, he had to take over a team where Ancelotti left, where Maldini left, where Kaká left, um, and had to uh, reshape the team and get it into a position where it ended up finishing top three. So we'd be glad to see that again. Uh, just as a, a commentary to the uh, to the to the Gattuso um, chance. So okay, so here are my three bold predictions for Italian football for 2019. Uh, you know, I think Milan still will finish in the top four. I think for all of the disaster, I think for all of the injuries and for all of the crises, the talent is still there. I still think this is the fourth best team in Serie A behind Inter, Napoli, and Juventus. That's not a homer decision. I just think that once these guys get healthy and can start patching together some games, I think they're going to be fine. Where you're talking about a Lazio who's going to be distracted by Europa League. You're going to have Inter still in the Europa League. We'll see what their intentions are. But I don't think Inter are going to come back down to the chasing pack. I think they're pretty steady. Uh, but I think, you know, and, and Roma have the distraction of Champions League and how much they want to deal with that or if they want to get back in top four. But I think Milan, I mean, right now they're a point behind Lazio halfway through the season, so why not? Uh, so I think they finish top four. Bold prediction number two, Bologna stay up. Uh, oh, wow. Whether it's Inzaghi in charge or whether he gets sacked and somebody else and Donadoni comes back, for example, there's too much talent in this Bologna team to be sitting in 18th. They've got the strikers. Mattiello is a growing player on the right. Uh, they've got uh, Pool. They've got Poolgar. They've got Scott, they've got Skorupski in goal. The team is too good to be sitting in 18th. They're going to get this figured out, uh, and I fully expect them uh, to get out of 18th and uh, get into uh, survival. I think the team. Whose expense they'll do that at, do that to, is Spall. Um, while I think that Spall have some good and some interesting pieces, Petania and Lazzari, chief among them, Scott is having a good season. Um, I and, and you know Gomis and goal. I think they are just weak enough uh, that they could end up ha- they could end up falling a little bit here. And watch out for Empoli too. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if they if they make the drop as well. But I think Bologna uh, are going to stay up. And then uh, my my bold prediction number three: both both Roman clubs miss out on Europe. What? Both. Wow, that's bold. Yeah, I, I don't think it'll happen, but I I really like what I've seen from Sampdoria, from Atalanta, from Torino, and Fiorentina. There are four teams there that can take their shot. And Lazio and Roma are the biggest threat. I think seventh still gets into the Europa League or has to do a playoff. So, okay, so one out at, at, at a minimum, let's just say this. One Roman team's missing out on Europe altogether. The other one is going to end up having to qualify through the Europa League stages. So I'm going to go ahead and make that gutsy call. I'm going to anger our uh, Roma and Lazio fans by doing so. But I think the quality is there, and I think the way that Sampdoria have played, the way Atalanta play, the way Torino and Fiorentina have established themselves here a little bit, I think those are the two most vulnerable teams out of the top six. And that's maybe some Homer stuff here, but I, I, I strongly believe that. So, so that's my that's my bold, that's my real, real reach there. <laughs> so, wow, I like it. I like it. Yep. So, no, you got to take some chances, right? That's right. Absolutely. So, so those are our bold predictions for Italian football in 2019. Uh, let's have your bold predictions for Italian football in 2019. Go to at Serie A Sit Down on Twitter, 
or Instagram. And with that, we're putting a bow on this edition of Serie Sit Down. Uh, Richard, anything you're up to here? Uh, we've got a, We're going to be on hiatus. I think we're coming back the weekend of uh, January 19th and 20th. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So uh, we're not gonna. Yeah, it's gonna be pretty quiet here. Uh, if you want to find me, you're gonna have to go to the Shaka podcast to find me. Otherwise, uh, I'm probably not gonna do much writing. I'll try to maybe get some some words in here or there. Uh, other than that, yeah, just look for me on Twitter with a uh, random comments about whatever I'm watching. So uh, yeah, and, and as always, you can follow me at r underscore k h a r m a n. Excellent, excellent. I'm at ftc underscore twenty one. You can find me there. There will be no words for me. Think life's just getting away from me at, at you know between between at home and at work. That uh, the the city I sit down is pretty much the only place you're going to find me these days. Uh, so um, you know uh, that's about the extent of what I'm going to be able to do. So I'm going to enjoy a little uh, little little siesta, uh, just like the rest of city I. So, uh, but at FTC underscore twenty one is where you can find me. Any interest in the Supercopa? Uh, no, I, you know what? No, um, I have more interest right now. I mean, I, I could care less about Juventus and Milan in that game. I think Juve is going to win that game. It's a glorified, um, yeah, it's a glorified scrimmage. And, and quite frankly, it, it it's lost in a desert somewhere, right? Yeah. With, Cutter. with, with Suzo, with Suzo suspended, it lost its luster. So, um, you know, I think people will be more better tuned in if they, they follow my, I've been doing football manager lately, this video game on the computer and, You'd follow me on there. It's probably much more entertaining stuff than watching that Supercopa. So, how dumb was that, by the way? Catuzo sees Suzo getting a yellow card. Three minutes later, he brings on uh, he he brings on a sub for he brings on Borini for Iguain, even though Suzo's on yellow. I mean, if you want to win the you you don't you don't start Calabria because you're worried he's going to get another yellow and be suspended for the Supercopa. And then exactly. Suzo gets a yellow. Three minutes later, you bring on Borini for Iguain, and then Suzo gets a second yellow. Isn't that perfect? So it's like. Yep. Take out the, if you if you if you really give a shit about the Supercopa, then you would have taken out Suzo at that point. But I don't get. It. I you know, try to trying to understand uh, uh, Substitutions. Gattuso's substitutions. <laughs> it's it's the uh, it's 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 the gif with uh, Zach Galifianakis in the Hangover looking at with the uh, equations going across. Yeah, have you seen that one? That's that's pretty <laughs> yeah, much what it yeah. is. So yeah. So anyway. <laughs> so but. It has been a great 2018, and uh, if, if, you, if you have been hanging in there, continuing to listen to us at the City I Sit Down, uh, from the bottom of our hearts, we appreciate you so much. Uh, keep listening to us. Um, we expect 2019 to be even better, uh, You know, not only for Italian football, but the quality that we can keep bringing here on City I Sit Down. We're proud to give you our input. We get it. We're fans. You're fans. We're giving you our takes. Uh, we have... Uh, a combined, uh, uh, I'd say, what, 45 years of, uh, I've got 32 under my belt, something like that, 31, 32, and I, you got about 20 or so. So over 50 years of, of City I watching experience under our belts um, that, we can, that, that we can offer you, and uh, we're, we're, we're privileged uh, that we get the platform to do that. And I uh, want to thank you all for your support and uh, looking forward to an awesome 2019 with your listenership. Richard, do you want to say something nice to our listeners or about our listeners or no uh yes thank you for listening <laughs> and all your support and uh have a happy new year's <laughs> yes absolutely have a happy new year we're going on siesta we'll check we'll check back with you the week of january 20th in the meantime in preparation tell all your paisans about us ciao